0: we welcome into the program from the podcast Locked on Big 12. We say hi to, to Josh Neighbors. Josh, good morning. How are you? I'm well, gentlemen. How are you guys? Terrific. We we and, and we need you to solve it, but we got this right. huge debate going on in the studio. Will Tiger Woods win another golf tournament? Uh
1: another golf tournament?
0: Yes, on the uh, PGA Tour. Not 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 the seniors. We know that if he ever goes there, he would, you know, when he turns 50, right. he'll dominate.
1: Um, I, um, I'm a massive Tiger Woods fan. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. Uh, which tournament I I can't say for sure, but I I think the one thing we're seeing with his schedule, especially is he's going to play courses that he, that he's really good at. Um, so you saw after his round, he said, he's going to go and play St. Andrews. And I think there is something to be said about him making sure that he's playing courses that he's got a comfort level at. Like he hasn't committed to going and playing Southern Hills for the PGA championship. And that, that is a place that he has won before, but St. Andrews, obviously he's got a lot of history there and a lot of history there in general. So I I think he's going to pick the meaningful courses and events that mean a lot. And typically I think that's going to manifest itself in courses that he's played before. So I'm actually, I'm going to go with, yes, I, I think he can, I would say it's probably going to be next year, though. I think 47 years old, 48 years old, kind of in that between range of I mean, he's not quite 50 yet. We saw Phil win a major at 50, so it's not impossible. But I think kind of when he's fully healed, or at least closer to fully healed, and he's gotten more rounds under his belt, that's when we're going to see a more competitive Tiger uh at the top leaderboards. So I'll go with yes. All right, perfect. All right, let's
0: let's talk some uh, some football. Uh we've been kind of going around the Big 12 and, and and looking at all the different teams and looking at the uh, the future Big 12 teams that are coming into the league. And the other day we were talking Kansas football. So, in your opinion with the second year in in the program, what what is a realistic number? when it comes to total wins, non-conference and, and conference alike, for, for that football team?
1: Three. We're going to go with three on this one. Um, this, you know, this is this is not just a rebuild. And I know the, there were some decent players in the roster, but this is like a total cultural overhaul. Um, when you get a coach like Lance Leipold, who was not around last spring, mind you, and that's, that's one big thing, um, you know, so that's one thing we have to we have to account for here. But I would say with their schedule, three wins for them is doable. Um, they start off with Tennessee Tech. They're at West Virginia, at Houston, and Duke. So not not the easiest stretch in the world to begin with. But um, if they can beat Tennessee Tech and they can beat Duke at home, then all you have to do at that point is all you have to do. But at that point, you just need to get one of the big 12 games. And I think in year two – they'll probably be able to catch somebody on an off weekend. And I think this thing, you know, talk about Texas and comments that were made yesterday and, you know, how many wins the team should have. Like this is a situation where progress is not always going to be measured in wins. I mean, I know that's how we measure you know, success overall, but progress should not always be measured in wins for them. It's like looking more like an organized football team on a game to game basis And they won two last year. So I I think – and they were competitive a a lot. So the goal now is for them to play competitive four-quarter games and, you know, hopefully most of their games. And so I think that um, three wins would be good progress. And if you can get four, double your win total from last season. I mean, they might be able to stat you at that point.
0: What's going on at the University of Texas? Are they – going in the right direction are they taking a step back uh, i mean there's a, a little bit of turmoil coming out of spring ball
1: yeah so a lot a lot was happening yesterday with you know a jomo's comments and um he's not being allowed to speak to the media anymore after he said you know you know seven and six texas um you know is gone He made some other comments as well too and so you know, I, I think there's always going to be turmoil at Texas. They just need to be careful about how much stuff happens off the field so they can really focus and keep stuff on the field. Like last year, we you know, we had the monkey situation that, that was really odd, and uh, obviously, you know, that was a huge distraction. While the team wasn't playing that well with the quarterback carousel, and I felt like there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So it, there's always some kind of show happening, right? You bring Gary Patterson in, so that's kind of – you know, a little bit of a show as well. And now you have these comments and you bring Quinn Ewers in. And so there's always so much talk. And look, I I think if you look at the recruiting and look at this roster, it's in a good position to succeed. I think Steve Sarkeesian has brought in the requisite amount of talent. I think the one thing he's learning about, and he's been a head coach before, and so maybe he should know, um, is that like there needs to be a conversation about how distractions are limited? He has to say, guys, we are Texas. There is a target on our back. You can say we're back and say we're not back, but people always you know think about this. At, y'all know Baylor. Baylor always wants to beat Texas. Texas Tech always wants to beat Texas. TCU always wants to beat Texas, and that's that's all the other teams, not just the Texas teams, but those especially, because that target is on your back. They need to be more cognizant of what they say. Do I have a huge problem with what Jomo said yesterday? No, not really. But we have to be more thoughtful if we're Texas about what we put out there because people are going to latch on to that. If this happens at West Virginia, you're not asking me this question about this, are we? No, but it's Texas. So I think there needs to be more of an awareness about the conversation, about things that are said in public. And about, you know, the way things get spun, uh, if you're a Texas player opposed to if you're you know somewhere else. Josh, looking across the board at these football teams in the Big Twelve, who are some of the sleeper players that we should be keeping an eye on? Maybe some of the guys that have come over to the teams via the transfer portal, or who are some guys you got your eyes on? Uh, let's go Texas first, actually. I'm really excited to see what Isaiah Nayer looks like. I've got a lot of questions. About you know Texas's offense, and I think for them the big the big problem they had last year was how consistent you know their offensive line play was at times. So I just you know I think that even if their line doesn't perform great, they've got so many weapons in the form of Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Xavier Worthy. Now you add in Isaiah Mayard, Jaleel Billingsley. I mean you know the excuses for the offense being bad are that they should they should be few and far between. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, uh, quarterback-wise, let's think, I mean, if there is a good chance, you know, that there is a chance, I'm not saying good chance yet, that, you know, JT Daniels could end up uh, at, a, at a West Virginia, that school was on his list. And so I, I want to see that, if that's the case, he'd be reuniting with Graham Harrell, coordinator at USC. So that's a potential reunion that could happen. You look at Adrian Martinez, quarterback at Kansas State, does that, Um, does that offense with Colin Klein really fit his skill set well? And if he takes care of the football, I think they're going to be in awesome shape on that end uh, of the football. And you want to go one more quarterback transferring in. I know I mentioned Quinn Ewers before, but I think Dylan Gabriel is going to have a really big year. I'm not the only person saying this. Uh, I just think Oklahoma is in a great spot to be the best team in the big 12. I think even with transition, uh, there's a lot of teams that are losing some really strong players and so this kind of opportunity has opened up and he brings in a great offensive mind in Jeff Levy and he's gonna bring in a quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, who's got, you know, a lot of time left. And also he's put up some big numbers. So I think you go to those flashy positions at least off the top. And I'm I'm really curious to see where T C U transfer OSHA on that this lands. I think the answer is going to be Texas. So there are a few of the big names that we're looking at uh, right now in terms of transfers, guys, you know, it just refreshing memory. Oh, yeah, that guy's there now. Speaking
0: with uh, Josh Neighbors from the uh, podcast Locked on Big 12, Josh Garrett brought up the, the transfer portal. Here we go. Uh, as the dust starts to settle on, on spring football, do you see in this league in particular a lot of movement into the, into the portal?
1: I think you're going to have to I think I think it's the way it's going to be in in most leagues and uh that's just kind of where we are with the, with the portal now. Uh you know, the NCAA needs to get a handle on the windows for things. I I rarely sympathize with coaches, but I do sympathize with the idea that hey, We need certain time windows when guys can go in and out of the portal. There, there should be exceptions, right? If a coach leaves and you you committed to play for a coach, you at that point in time should be able to hop into the portal at the same time your coach has decided to hop into the coaching portal, quote unquote. Let's just put it that way. And so, yeah, I think you're going to see that the ex, you know, hopefully it's not exoduses that you see across the board, and that you know competition can be promoted from within. But I will say this: the teams that will do the best are the ones that can retain the most depth. And also the teams that will hit the portal the hardest to build that depth. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see across the league. You know, there's some names that we thought we're going to get some PT, and then those guys hop into the portal, and then uh, which teams can capitalize? And I think you're going to see a lot of movement within conferences, especially when you have so many Texas schools and guys from that state. Guys, you know, might want to stay close to home, or you know, also there's guys across the all the teams, the Big Twelve uh that are from you know places like texas and might want to move closer to home so we'll, we'll see how that shakes out but i think it's safe to say across the board most conferences you're going to see a large amount of guys in the portal who can retain their players and who can add on the most and build that depth is a big question
0: with what oklahoma softball has been able to do so far this season it, do they have the opportunity to bet to be the best team overall team in big 12 history
1: I mean, you you might be able to say best team in baseball history, irregardless of sport.
0: Yes, uh, th- that's what I mean.
1: That, that, yeah, I mean, damn near they're approaching that right now. I'm going to have Chris Plank on here pretty soon uh, on the on the show. Uh, he is the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, and it's it is unbelievable. I was going the other night. I mean, they've got I think 20 plus run rules um, on the season. They are you know what they did to Texas Tech this past weekend 40 plus runs. I don't think they allowed a run is, it's unbelievable, and to think that the team last year, you know, they were so resilient last year, multiple times, uh, two occasions, they lost games in the College World Series and still went on to win the darn thing, and this year, you know, they they don't looking back, I am curious if there is a certain element of, do you want to get the loss out of the way so we stop talking about it? Um, Because I think there is a, you know, if you hit the NCAA tournament, you're going to hit a pressure-packed situation where you're going to have an undefeated team trying to hold on to that. And then, you know, all of a sudden in one weekend, it can be over for you. So trying to avoid a situation like that where the pressure is on, but this team doesn't seem to be phased. I mean, you know, they're, they're a complete team. Their pitching is dominant. Their, their lineup is unbelievable. Jocelyn Allo is, is like the Barry Bonds. I I mean, I I can't think of any other player on the diamond that I've seen produce at the level that she does. And she's not the only person they have. in that that's, that's a loaded lineup uh, that they've got this year. So, you know, I, I, it's so much fun to watch this team play. It's a joy. To, I love softball. They're a joy to watch. And, yeah, I, I think Patty Gasso, she's got it all working. I mean, uh, in terms of program builders, there's been nobody better in this conference than any sport than Patty Gasso. I want to talk
0: basketball for a second, man. How important is it for Jamie Dixon at TCU to have Mike Miles Jr. come back next season?
1: Oh, I love Mike Miles. I'm a Mike Miles guy to get him back. Now, I, I hope he got some feedback on his game, and I've been talking to Rafael Barlow, who's going to um, you know, succeed Chad Ford and in terms of NBA draft guys, and I asked him about you know, Mike Miles, and he said, yeah, I like his game. He's got a lot he has to refine. He is a good scorer. He can be a good defender. Um, I think one more year for him, especially in this conference, is just going to refine his game. We've seen guys like Christian Brown and Oshai Baji come back, and what they do They really complemented other parts of their game. Oshai added that off the dribble, kind of one, two dribble pull up. He attacked the lane really well this year in a way he did in the past. Christian Brown added, you know, kind of just just kind of all the game. Put it more, uh, put it together. Became more consistent. Hopefully, Mike's gonna get that opportunity to do that if he stays healthy in this league because we know that you know learning how to break down Big 12 defenses. It's a challenge, and it very much translates to next level. You're seeing Kate Cunningham succeed right now. You're seeing Desmond Bain succeed right now. I think you'll see Oshai Abaji succeed right now. Seeing the Iowa State guys see you know, those guards succeed right now. So plenty of stories of guys in this league coming back, getting an extra year. It's a lot of older guys I mentioned right there. And so one more year in this league can really help you round out your game. Huge for TCU, and I think it's big for Mike Miles' future draft considerations.
0: Final thought for you: uh, The uh, WNBA draft was held Monday night. Three players from the Big Twelve taken all three from right here at at, at Baylor, and uh, all three were high draft picks.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there's there's some talk about hey, was this year disappointing for the Baylor women? But look, you can't be too upset when you put those players into the league, and and uh, a lot of those players this year spoke pretty glowingly. About what Nikki Collin did, and saying that they felt like what the way that she kind of had the team play um, was was one that really did help them build their games and improve and get themselves ready for the WNBA. And it's and so I think there's something to be said for while the success, you know, in, in the end was not there in terms of wins and losses. If you're playing a style that's helping put ladies into the league. That's gonna be appealing. You're gonna gonna keep you're gonna keep getting top players and if, you know, if she keeps coaching and she'll she'll end up uh, you know, having them coalesce more in college. So it's such an encouraging sign to like you said, have three players go in the draft. And I think that style of play Mickey Collins has has a whole lot to do with it.
0: Hey, what's coming up on the podcast?
1: We're talking about NIL and Transfer Portal about why coaches keep talking negatively about it. Uh that'll be a fun conversation. Also, Comparing the Big 12 to the ACC and the Pac-12 and saying you know, the folks who say, hey, is the Big 12 still a power five league in the future? We say, hell yes. And so we explain why on the podcast. So it's coming up on YouTube and wherever you guys get your podcasts.
0: Josh, as always, it is a pleasure. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, talk to you guys next time.
0: Talk to you soon. That is a Josh Neighbors from the podcast Locked on Big 12.